Thanks, Yana. Uh, one thing, you know, it's when you sit in lights like this, you find out that you didn't clean your glasses very good this morning. <laughs> and at the first service, I did that too. It's like, well, I got to remember to do that, and I didn't. So anyway, you're all kind of in the cloud this morning. Uh, uh, <clears throat> really, I don't know, I just haven't said this for a while, but I just really appreciate our music team up here. They do such a good job. And I especially appreciate the selection of songs. They did that last song of Great is Thy Faithfulness. And and uh, you keep your promises, and it really fits in with where we are going to go today. In fact, we're in the book of Colossians, a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Colossae. And if so, if you want to go there, we're going to be in chapter 2 today. And, and to kind of set the stage, I want to, it's interesting, uh, I'm going to go to ex- eventually to experience that I had this week. But I, I learned something uh, pretty early, actually before I was even in full-time ministry, uh, at the time, I was uh, uh, teaching in the adult class in my dad's church and going to Bible college, and Mary Lou and I were married. We lived in an apartment cl- a complex in downtown Denver, kind of a rough area. Uh, Mary Lou was actually assistant managing uh, the apartment complex so that we could get cheap rent. And uh, so, so uh, you know, it's one of those areas, and my, my wife, you know my wife, she's, uh, she's one of these people that have never met a stranger, and, and uh, you know, I kind of had to say, you know, this isn't... This is, we're kind of a tough area. I said, be really careful about who you, you know, kind of check the person out before you say hello and, and act like they're the first, the best, your best friend. And, but, uh, so is that kind of an environment? Well, in the, in the middle of that, in, in where, I, where I'm heading is, I was teaching an adult class, and I decided in my naivety, uh, you know, here's this young Bible college student, I'm, I'm going to teach on the cults and occult. I thought that, in fact, I, will, I thought to myself, this will be fun. I, I'm going to love studying this stuff. And, and, uh, uh, and so in the process of teaching, one of the things I did was uh, there was a series of tapes out, and they were some interviews with uh, Edgar Casey and uh, Mary Baker Eddy. I don't know. Some of you have heard of them. Some of you haven't. Edgar Casey probably, he, he led to he, uh, just a lot of cultic perspectives, but probably he's been kind of s- uh, informally called the father of the New Age movement. Uh, and, and Mary Baker Eddy, uh, if you know Christian science, that's, that's where it came from was her teaching. And, and both of those are really off track concerning the Word of God. They're not Christian, even though Christian might be the name of hers altogether. But, uh, uh, and so I was listening to some tapes, some interviews with these two individuals. And I remember one night I, I was uh, preparing for my class and, and uh, uh, pretty late listening to these tapes and finally got tired, and I thought, well, I'm going to go to sleep. So I turned the tape later off, and I went to bed. And about two in the morning, uh, Mary Lou and I both woke up to a start because we heard somebody talking out in our living room. And given our neighborhood, that wasn't a really good feeling. And I remember quietly getting up and, and, and sneaking out to see who it was. And there that tape player was, and Edgar Casey, it was him talking on the tape that I had been listening to. And I thought, man, I must have forgot to turn that off. So I turned it off and Went back to bed, and about four in the morning, it happened again. And uh, I walked away from that experience uh, as a young guy with a pretty good lesson. You know, here I thought, this is going to be fun. I'm going to mess, I'm going to talk about things that uh, are uh, cults and occult and all this stuff. I'm going to have a little fun with this. This will be kind of an interesting subject to talk about and to think about. And, and uh, God taught me that night that, when you're messing with Satan, you're messing with a very real powerful enemy, uh, and uh, you better be thinking about who it is you're up against. And, 
And it's, it's interesting because I've, I've been taught this lesson over and over again in my ministry. Uh, in fact, this kind of will lead to a bit of a personal prayer request. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, there have been times in, in my ministry, over my ministry, that I've, I've, I've taught from the Word of God basically on the subject of marriage. And I can tell you when I'm teaching on that, I just might as well get ready because that's when uh, the tension's going to come and I'm going to have to, you know, Satan's going to attack right that area. And, and I've seen it happen in a number of, of things in my life. It's the thing that I'm teaching on. And I share that as kind of, you know, when you see me heading to a topic, I, if God places on you in your heart, pray because I, you can expect that uh, that might be the area that Satan's going to attack. And it happened this week, and that's why I bring this all up. Uh, I got to tell you, Tuesday was a terrible day for me. I, Monday, it started Monday night. Monday night, I could not sleep. I was, I was so anxious. I just had, had so many things crowding in, it seemed like. I, I was worried about all kinds of stuff in life, and uh, just, it just was, I was feeling overwhelmed, and, and it continued on in Tuesday. And Tuesday, I'm just really troubled and really anxious inside, and, and uh, you know, just, it was, it was miserable. I was miserable. And, and later on in the day, as I continued preparing for this message series, I started digging back into the passage that we're going to look at, and I had to laugh to myself. It's like, no wonder. Uh, it's no wonder you're feeling all these things because it's exactly what we're going to talk about, and, and God just was reminding me, you know, you, you got to practice what you preach in the midst of that situation. And so I'm going to take us, because we're in this letter that Paul wrote to these Christians in Colossae. And remember, they're, they're in a troubling time. Uh, they're, in so many respects, they thought they had things together, but there's some individuals that have moved into their midst that have been teaching some different teaching, and it's shaken, it's shaken their foundations. They started wondering, did we have Jesus and God and this whole thing really figured out? Because these guys sound like they know what they're talking about. And and, and they're confused, and they're troubled, and Paul finds out about this, and he sends this letter to them because he, he wants to reestablish for them what it is that their confidence, their faith, their trust needs to be built on. And, and, and so that's what's going on in this letter. And it's really interesting, the, the reason, you know, as, as we dig into this passage, uh, uh, one of the things he says in this Right, ran into this is the this is the verse I was working on Tuesday night was he said that uh, there are two issues that should be solid in our life and that's faith and thankfulness and I got to tell you neither of those were part of who I was on Tuesday they were not they were not a part there was nothing I was thankful for and I certainly wasn't having much faith and so so. That's where Paul's going here. And so he's walking these Christians through. He says, I, I need to take you back to what it is you need to understand, we need to understand about our God. And so we're going to walk through these things together. And, and so here's that where he starts. He says, okay, and we're in chapter 2. Uh, obviously, we looked at the first few verses. In fact, we ended last week. I read the opening statement of chapter 2 where Paul says, you know, I, I'm really struggling for you. Because uh, he knows they're shaken. And, and remember last week as we looked at chapter 1, he walks through this whole, this whole list of, of things that they need to remember about Jesus. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the authority. Jesus, in fact, he created all things. Things we see, things we don't see. He's, he's the one that holds things in place. 
all this whole list of things they need to know about Jesus. And so he's taking them back to this point because this is where they've gotten off track. And I share with you last night, week, I know that you come to church and the pat answer, we say, you know, what's, what's the answer to the needs of your life? Well, it's Jesus. And, and we kind of expect that to be the answer, but I'm not sure that we've really thought through what that means. And maybe even more so how it applies to my life and the way I live. And, and so that's where Paul is taking them. And so he takes them back as we open into the, move into this next verses today. In verse 6, he says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, and I'm going to stop there for a moment because I want, you know, we've, we've walked through the Gospels quite a bit in the last couple of years. We've looked at those eyewitnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and they talked about their time with Jesus when they walked and talked with Him and lived with Him on earth. And, and if you remember, as we talked through this, they walked through a range of thinking, emotions, perspectives on who Jesus was. Uh, early on in His ministry, they, they looked at Him as a rabbi, a good teacher, had some good things to say, probably ought to listen to them. And, and so they began, began to follow him as that rabbi, as that teacher. Not, not a lot more, just that. You know, we, he, we're, we're, he's, we want him to be our leader. We want to hear what he has to say about God because he seems to have some really good insight about God. And, and one of the things they did note early on is he, he taught with an authority that the, the Pharisees, the other rabbis, weren't seem, didn't seem to have. And so that, that, that got him a following. But but at the same time, then they would go backwards on their feelings because you remember one time he, he, God allowed him, he started doing these miracles. And, and if you remember, there's this one town he went into, and probably the first time he did just a number of miracles. He healed a bunch of people, and, and, uh, and they're thinking, all right, well, that's really good. If you're a rabbi, if you're a teacher, and, and God's given you the ability to touch lives that way, then really you want a good following. You need a, you need a broad group of people hearing from you. Cause so the more, the merrier. And so they got all excited. They said, all right, he is really building a crowd. And if you remember, they got up one morning and, and word had gotten out and people were already lined up to hear and see and, and, and talk to Jesus. And they couldn't find him. And they went and looked for them. And they found him. They said, man, the people are there. That's we need to get there because your crowd's gathered and they want to hear from you. And you remember what he said? We're going to go somewhere else. And it's like, whoa, that makes no sense at all. Right when you got a good group ready to follow and listen to you, you're going to go somewhere else. And so that shook them. They started thinking, well, you know, we thought he was a pretty smart guy, but maybe he's not so smart. And, and there was a, the constant flow of that, you know, that they, uh, they, they find out he gets a good crowd, but everybody's hungry. And, and now they're wondering, okay, now what do we do? And they're worried about that. And they go and they come a little bit of gripe and we, you need to send these people home because they're hungry. And he says, no, just gather some bread. And then he feeds twice, 4,000 people one time, 5,000 people the other time out of just a few loaves of bread. It's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Something, and it's, all, it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, one time they're in a storm, and he just says the word, and the storm stops. It's like, whoa, okay, he, he, something's going on here. He must be the Messiah. But then he dies. I mean, Messiah was their king. He was supposed to come and set up his kingdom on earth and, and lead them, you know, move forward. They're going to become the power of the world and the power broker of the world. And, and now they've finally got their king, their Messiah, and then he dies. And you know, we talked about that. They, they didn't 
have any expectations after that. In fact, they went back to doing what they were doing before. What, why, what else is there? Why, why would I hang around now? You know, we got no reason to hang together. He's gone. He's dead. And then he rose. And they met the resurrected Jesus Christ and everything changed for them. They finally had it nailed down. They knew. They knew that he was the one. And the reason, they understood. He died. He didn't die for his own sake. He died for our sake. He died so that the sin that were my, was my sin could be paid payment for. He, made, he paid my penalty so that now I can be in a relationship with God. That's why he died. And that was settled in their mind. And in fact, these very men who, who, were, who ran scared when he was first arrested and then went back to their, their old professions and gave up when he died, these very same men, then the, the rest of their life after that resurrection experience, wrapped in Jesus Christ. Never a doubt. In fact, all but one of them that we know of, based on Scripture and history, every one of them died for their faith. They could have recanted. They could have saved their skin just by saying, it's not true, but they weren't willing to. They knew who he was, and that was settled for them. And so he, and then these Colossian Christians, it had been settled for them too. They had, they had accepted what they heard about Jesus Christ. They knew that they were in right standing with God because of what Christ did on the cross, and that was settled for them. And he says, remember how you received that. You heard... You, you know the, the testimonies, and you receive the truth of it. You, by faith, you said, okay, God has promised he'll forgive me based on what his son did on the cross. I believe that. You received it by faith. But here's how it works for us all this time, isn't it? You who are Christians, who, who are Christ followers, who have accepted that, that forgiveness, you believe that? And so we say, we got that nailed down. We, we, got the, we know, I know I'm in right standing with God now because I've accepted what his son did on the cross on my behalf. I've accepted that forgiveness. I, I know I'm his child. And, and so I know that's taken care of. And I know at the end of the story is heaven. And it's eternity. And, and I'm looking forward to that day. Where our problem arises is in the dots in between, isn't it? That's where we struggle. It's that life in between. And, and, and I hear people say, I hear Christians say this, man, I'm, I'm just so ready for this life to be over so I can get on to the good stuff. And it's the life in between. Paul, in fact, here's what he says. He's, wrong button. Work our way through. There we go. Just as you receive Christ, continue to live in him. See, so here's our problem. We, we, we take this whole Jesus stuff and we say, well, that's just all about salvation. It's about that beginning. And it's about the end. But Paul said, no, it's about all the dots in between. He said, if you understand who Jesus is, if you understand the investment he has in you and me, the promises he's made, if you understand that the one who not only loved you enough to die for you is also the one who loves you enough to be with you every step of the way. If you understand who he is, the powerful one, the creator, the authority, the sustainer, and he's the one that's in, involved in your life in a personal, intimate way every day and says he's taking care of you, then it changes everything. In fact, Paul kind of walk, he walks this way. Let me go back to that one. He says, 
continue to live in that same faith rooted in him. He says that that roots, your, your security, your foundation needs to be wrapped up in Jesus Christ and who he is not only because of salvation, but who he is now in your life. What's he mean by that, rooted by him? What, what, what about him are we supposed to be rooted in? Well, I think Paul expands on that when he writes a letter to the Ephesians Christians. And he says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We're back to that issue. Being rooted and established in love. He says to these Colossian Christians and to us, once you understand how much Jesus loves you, how invested he is, not, not just in your beginning and in the end, but in your life. He cares about what you're walking through. He cares about the mountain you're facing, the struggle. He cares about whatever it may be that's in front of you right now that you're involved in in your life. He cares. He loves you. And he's promised, he's promised that he's right there with you, that he will give you the strength you need to meet every single day, that he will never leave you or forsake you. He has promised this. And, and so Paul's saying your life needs to be wrapped up in that love. That's where you find your roots. That's on that day when, when things get shaky. That's what you remind yourself of is, you know what? Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. It's not just a child's song. It's supposed to be a life perspective. And, and so when I face those things in my life, I put them in perspective. They find their balance. They find their place when I remember, wait a minute, Jesus loves me. And he's the one that created the universe. And he's the one that's holding everything in place. And he's the one that's holding my life in place. It's okay. Because Jesus loves me. He says, that's your roots. That's, what you, that's where you, you, you dig in. Because if you dig into anything else, you're going to be disappointed. I'm going to be disappointed, you know. Uh, if I think it's about me, if I think it's uh, on what, based on what I can handle, I'm going to find out pretty quickly that there are bigger things in life than me by far. I hope by now you all figured out it's not politics. If you're still thinking that's the answer, I don't know what to do for you. I just don't. Uh, you know, if, if your life is rooted and revolves around family... You know, as long as my family's healthy and as long as things are going steady there and there's no conflict, I'm okay. Well, i got to tell you, then there's going to be days when you're not okay. Because it doesn't always go that way. If, if you're, your life is rooted in your marriage, and I think marriage is important. I think it's a foundation of a healthy society. But if that's where your life revolves around, i got to tell you, you're going to be disappointed. That doesn't mean your marriage will end. Some of them will. But you're going to disappoint because you're going to find out that other person is a human being that will sometimes fail you and it will shake you to the foundations of who you are. And Paul says, to these folks who are struggling now because people have got them to think, they're starting to question. He says, it's, it is about Jesus and his love for you and his love for me. That's the only thing you can totally depend on.
He goes on, he says, not only should you be rooted in that, but you need to be built up in that, or built up in him, Jesus Christ. He's the person. He's, the, he's what it's about. And that, a better translation would have been built upon. That's really what the word means there, and I think it's a better idea. He's saying, take this root, this beginning, this understanding that Jesus loves me, and build everything upon that. That's the one thing we learn not to question. Because I know it's good, it's true, it's right. No matter what's going on, I know He loves me. And I know who He is. Because, and that's that list that Paul went through in, in chapter 1. And I know I, I, can, I can rest on that. I'm okay. I'm okay because Jesus loves me. He says, that's what you build upon. Everything comes out of that. If I revolve my life around that, that Jesus loves me, then, well, he goes on. He says, and here's what's happened. I find strength. Not because of circumstances, because sometimes circumstances would do anything but make me feel, feel strong. I can tell you, Tuesday was one of those days for me. But I'm strong because it's not about me, it's not about my life, it's not about politics, it's not about world events, it's not about my family, it's not about my marriage. It's about Jesus who loves me. It gives me strength. I'm strengthened in in this faith that, that I know He loves me and He's got my back. He's there for me. He's there for you. And when, when, when that happens, when we, when we rest there. Our confidence, our faith is not put in, in any of these other things because they're not worth it. It's put in who Jesus is, that he loves me, and I build on that, then <laughs> I'm thankful. Well, how can you be thankful? Were things kind of going and falling apart? Yeah, they sure seem to be, but I, I know they weren't because I know who loves me. The guy who created everything loves me, loves you. The one who has all the power. The one, in fact, it's interesting, uh, that verse back in Ephesians, it said, Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of God. You know, he doesn't even sweat this stuff. The stuff that caused you tonight to pace the floor, he he doesn't sweat it because he's got it covered. He's got you covered. He's got me covered. And he loves me. And he loves you. So I'm just thankful. Paul puts it another way in one of his other letters. He says, I, I, there is this peace that passes circumstances. It's beyond understanding. Because in the midst of this situation that I find myself right now, I should have been all worked up and anxious, but I'm at peace because, why? Because Jesus loves me. What do I got to worry about? He's already said he's got it figured out. He's already promised to give me what I need Every single moment to, to resolve, to take care, he'll take me through it. He's promised that. So I'm thankful. I can't help being thankful. That's not, I don't want you to, th- to think that's a, a foolish, you know, the happy. It, no, it's just this inner peace that says it's okay. It's okay because Jesus loves me. Now, it's really interesting because what disturbed them, those Colossian Christians, were in the two areas that unfortunately often disturb us. One is religion. 
because sometimes that's, we, we translate Jesus into religion or my church. So we revolve our life around the church. And, and notice he wrote, one of the things he wrote, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend time, but it's the, it's the next section in Colossians 2. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals new moon celebrations or a Sabbath day. See, they've been caught up and, and they thought, well, you know, where I find my faith and my strength and my root is in my church, my religion. And he said, if that's the case, get ready to struggle. Because your life shouldn't resolve or revolve around True North Church or any other church or, or whatever denomination title you call yourself by or any of those things. Religion will never cut it. It will simply lead you to struggles. It's got to be around Jesus. The other thing that he talked to them about and us about in the same time is the other thing is we grab onto is there's this, you know, the world perspective. Since you died to Christ in the basic principles of this world, why do you still live as though you belong to them? You know, we get caught up in, you know, if you watch the nightly news, oh, the world is falling apart. Got 12 years and we're all dead. He says you can't, you can't fall into that because there, there's not a politician out there that's got the answers to what we need, not one. There, there's not a group out there that's figured it out, not one. There's not a professor in a college that has all of life's problems resolved and can lead us down, not one. He said if you fall into this perspective that the answers to life are out there somewhere, he said... Get ready, because your world's about to fall apart. And it was for the Colossians. <laughs> it is about Jesus and the fact that he loves you. Now, if you're a person who's never stepped into that relationship yet, that is his offer. He, he loves you. <laughs> and, and I'm saying he loves you exactly where you are right now. Whatever is going on in your life, he knows it and he loves you. And he wants to be the one who provides your forgiveness. He's offering you forgiveness. And, and with that forgiveness comes a relationship reestablished with God. You become his child, and nothing will ever change that, ever. And life, from that point on, should revolve around the knowledge that Jesus loves you. Now, it's interesting uh, Next week, we're going to start into chapter 3. And he makes a statement in the opening verses. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Oh, there's that verse. <laughs> Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. <laughs> he's got it all settled. So set, set your hearts on him because he's got it covered. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're right now, kind of, it's, it's, he's got it covered. He sat down because it's all taken care of. So set your hearts on that. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You know, there's a, there's a phrase that goes around about you sometimes and me. It says, some of you Christians, you're, you are so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You ever heard that? Here's what Paul says. The only way possible for you and I to be any earthly good is to become heavenly minded. 
whatever you're sweating, whatever worried about, whatever seems to be on the horizon that you're not sure, I'm telling you the answer is Jesus loves you. And he's got it. He's got your back. He'll give you what you need. And that's what Paul wants these Christians to remember. And it's really interesting from this point on. One of the things I love about Paul is he kind of goes through these truths. These, we call them doctrine. He's, these, these things that we need to know about God and we need to settle in our hearts about God. And then usually in his letter he says, now let me tell you how that looks practically. What? When the rubber meets the road. Because that's what we're asking, isn't it? It's like, okay, okay, gee, I, I got that now. But how does that work with what's going on in my life right now? And, and that's where he'll go next. Lord willing, as we begin to dig into chapter 3, you're going to say, he's going to say, okay, let's talk about the nuts and bolts of this. How does this look? But here's what you need to know this morning. And I don't care who you are, and I don't care what's going on in your life right now. This is what you need to hear. The one who created the universe, who holds everything in place, who knows the end from the beginning, in fact, is eternal. Jesus loves you. Let's pray. Father, thanks. That simple childhood faith, that reminder from that Sunday school song that some of us learned when we were children, that's where we are. If the creator and sustainer, the all-powerful one, the one that holds everything together, the one who knows the end from the beginning, in fact, planned every single detail of that, is the one that loves me? That is personally involved in my life? Who knows exactly what I'm walking through right now and has already told me it's taken care of. I got your back. If that Jesus loves me, then I have nothing to worry about. In fact... That's where I'll find my strength, and the resolve of that will be thankfulness. Father, so, so much appreciate these words, this reminder. I know sometimes for us as Christians, it, it seems so simple. In fact, to the world, they say, what do you mean it's all about Jesus? But it is, it's all about Jesus. If we find our faith, we find our confidence, we find our perspective about life wrapped up in Jesus loves us will be okay and we'll have grateful hearts. Lord, thank you that you have placed us in the midst of this community, a world around us that needs to know how much you love them. And, and we thank you for the privilege of being allowed to have a part in being your light. Help us, Lord, this week. To, to do that well, that as we touch lives and touch people, one thing they'll be clear on is that Jesus loves them. We pray these things in your son's name.
When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Sure, I hope. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Yeah, yeah. much for worshiping with us this morning. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.